What's up, guys? Welcome to the Walk Show podcast, where we explore the walk of life. This is your host, Walker Near. The music for today's show is provided by Misha Zarin. So many thanks to Misha. I strongly encourage people to check out their local food bank to see how they can help, as food banks like Ozark's Food Harvest here in my town are helping families overcome food insecurity, which is a problem we need to solve. You can follow me on social media like Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at The Walk Show or The Walk Show Pod. All of those links are in the show notes. This week, we're joined by Dean Fox, who is a leading mindset coach, trainer, consultant, entrepreneur, author, and speaker. Based in the Northeast of England, UK, Dean has trained and coached thousands of entrepreneurs across the country with his powerful message. I have to say, this is one of my favorite conversations that I've had on The Walk Show. Dean is an incredibly thoughtful person, and I'm so excited to share the conversation with you. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Walk Show podcast, Dean Fox. How are you doing this evening? I'm fantastic. Thank you. And it's a pleasure to be here, Walker. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I, I I say this every time I have someone that's international, but I'm so thrilled to, to have you. You're joining us all the way from uh, Middleborough, uh, which is in northeastern UK, you've described. Um, and I had another, another gentleman from London uh, last year on the show. He was a, a cryptocurrency trader, of all things. Um, but yeah, just really cool. So thank you so much for, for making the time. I know the time zones are weird, and so I really appreciate you carving out the time for us here. That's all right, and I appreciate the, the opportunity. Um, and, you know, every time I get a chance to, to share some of my story and, and hopefully add some value and, and maybe come along at the right time for somebody, um, yeah. more of your listeners, then um, you know, I, I'm blessed and grateful for that opportunity. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. So you, um, you've, you've got a variety of things going. You've, you've got DNAFox.com, um, which has a, a lot of different kind of avenues of content on it. Um, you've also got a book, Crack the Code. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And so was the, was the book ahead of the website? Was the book, did the book come first or? No, no, no. The book came later. Um, you know, it, it was a result of some of the investigations, if you like, my own research, some of the things I learned from, um, from, from people around me and my mentors and coaches uh, as part of my journey. Um, and so amalgamation of some of those things that I kind of pulled some things together as I started to understand them that made a difference for me um, and, and started to share that with other people. Yeah. And, and certainly I don't mean to oversimplify um, the, the, the message of your coaching. And, and obviously we're going to talk about all of that, but from, from what I was, from what I was seeing and looking over your material, it, it looked like what I was gathering is that overcoming procrastination seems to be at least a, a significant point of emphasis um, with your program. Is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I've just, I found, you know, in the time of my own personal experience, the biggest issues for me were around, um, you know, some of those elements, procrastination to a certain extent, perfectionism was a big one for me, mm. um, coupled with maybe some elements of, of fear of failure. And so, you know, the four things I spend most of my time helping business owners and entrepreneurs with are procrastination, perfectionism, fear of public speaking and fear of failure. Mm. So, I mean, I, so are you working primarily with entrepreneurs and, and, and business type people? Or are you also working with, with individuals just, you know, at residents or I don't know what we're consumers? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a mix. I mean, about, I'd probably say about 80 to 90% of my, my client base, people I've worked with and currently work with are all business owners and entrepreneurs. Uh, but I've worked with a mix, you know, I've worked with some authors. Uh, I've worked with some other speakers and coaches. I've worked with some pro athletes. 
um, as well in my time. So, you know, there's a there's a mix. It doesn't preclude. You know, I don't I don't preclude. For me, it's more about um, am I a fit? You know, do I feel I can help and I value right. whatever it is they want? Um, and do they feel comfortable working with me? Do they feel like I, I'm adding value and, and I'm a fit for them? Yeah, I think that's a really important um, point. And it, it's something that I try and talk about a lot on the show. And I've had a variety of, of coaches and, and uh, counselors and psychologists and stuff like that. And, and you know, it's certainly in the United States and, and possibly in the UK, it's, it's similar. But a, there's kind of a stigma surrounding um, what, like, well, mental health, right? Um, so, the, so there's still a segment of people that that feel like if they were to seek help in any capacity, then they're like admitting that they're crazy or something, which I <laughs> I don't agree with. Um, but then beyond that, there's a section of people who were willing to try and, and maybe they went to a counselor or a coach or a therapist and it wasn't the experience that they had hoped for, right? It didn't deliver what they wanted. And so then they, they kind of take it all and put it in this bucket of like, oh, well, it doesn't work or it doesn't at least work for me. And I just think it's a, a really important thing to emphasize that just like all of the, the people seeking help are individuals, so are the people administering the help, right? The, the counselors and the coaches and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a it's a very valid point. You know, I've 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 declined to work with some people, and that's not because you know I couldn't help them, or I just said, look, I don't I don't think I don't think I'm the right person um, to, to help and deliver what it is that you need. And I think there are better people equipped with different experience in different areas to to support what you're looking for. And I've got you know connections in in the coaching industry. I'm I'm more than happy to recommend someone for you to go and have a conversation with. Um, and, and if you feel they're a better fit, then then you know please please work with them. I, so for me, it's all about the experience for the individual. Um, you know, it's the same as a working environment. I feel you know we we, we find people um, and we tend to um, kind of be attracted to people that, that that fit with what with what we're looking for. And if that if there isn't a fit, then I, I, I don't see the point. I'm not in. I didn't I didn't become a coach intentionally. Uh, from a business decision um you know i I talk about this a lot that um coaching found me i didn't find coaching it was you know i didn't have this intention and i talk about this now about you know our purpose people are always out there looking for their purpose yeah and i often you know in fact often I, i always talk about this idea that i don't believe we go and find a purpose i believe a purpose finds us Hmm. And so, I mean, what is a person to do, though? Do you just have to sit and wait for the purpose to find you, or, or does the purpose find you by trying things? Or <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's a, I think there's a combination of, of those things. I think you, you know, there's there's things that you enjoy doing, and and those things you, you should explore those things for sure. But I think it, it's, I, I, I certainly, from, from my, my own personal experience, I didn't have a, a very absolute nailed on clear thing from being very young that this is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some things that I enjoyed doing when I was younger that perhaps might have led me in there earlier if I if I'd followed them. Um, right. But but you know it it didn't it didn't happen that way. You know the one thing I I talk, I say you know look from my own experience. Somebody asked me a question today. I was I was on a um, uh, an event in in Clubhouse. It's new app, uh, and someone asked me a question, which was you know what advice would you give to your younger self? And I said the biggest piece of advice I'd be able to give is that. Just trust the path that you're on because everything that happens to you is determined. It's destined to happen to bring you to the point it's supposed to bring you to. 
Mm. Um, and it's really difficult to see that sometimes when things happen. You know, my, my own experience of that is it's really hard to see those times when things are maybe not going well or you're not um, getting the results that you, you expect. It's difficult to join the dots looking forward and say, well, you know, why am, why am I experiencing this? They were the questions I asked myself when I was struggling was, why me? Why am I going through all of this? But, but later on, you know, looking back, I can see that, well, I, I had to go through that. It had to bring me to this point. It had to introduce me to these people. It had to connect me with this, uh, this environment in order to show me what I needed to, to see. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 um, I found myself thinking that as, as well. And that doesn't mean that I've never, you know, that I don't ever think that I've handled a situation poorly or that, I, that I've never owed someone an apology or, or anything like that. Certainly uh, that is, is true that I have done those things, but, but yeah, I kind of feel the same way. It's like, it, wherever whatever happened even if at the time it seemed like a disappointment if where i'm at now is is better than perhaps it was it was it was necessary to to your point right yeah for sure and you know i say it's it's not easy to see at the time it and and you know i have conversations with people now i, I say it takes a, a type of mindset shift to be able to be grateful for the things that happened that that may not have been particularly good in your life at those particular times you know, I'm eternally grateful for some of the things I went through. And people would ask me, how is that possible? For some of the things that you experienced, how could you be grateful that they happened? And I, I openly say, because if I didn't go through them, who knows where I would be? But I certainly wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing right now. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a tricky conversation. because So I, I don't mean to go on and on about myself here. Um, when I was 20, my, my father passed away, which was very, very shocking and kind of traumatic at that time for me. Um, we were really close and I, I certainly don't feel comfortable using the word that I'm grateful that that happened. Cause I, obviously if you could be around, I would love that. <laughs> um, sure. But the way I, the way I think about it is almost like, like his passing in his passing, he kind of still gave me one final gift. And that was that at the time, you know, I, I just didn't think that, that that could happen. Like I didn't think he, until he, until I literally watched him pass away, I didn't think he could because I didn't want it to happen. And I was, I mean, to candidly, I guess, kind of an entitled teenager, right? Like many teenagers are and thought that the world, the world at large and air quotes cared <laughs> what I wanted. And it doesn't right. And, and not in like a, everything's against me kind of way, but just the truth is, is that things happen that are outside of our control. Um, and his death taught me that. Anyway, sorry, I don't mean that. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. And, and you, you know, don't get me wrong when, when I say, you know, we share gratitude for some of those experiences. I'm not saying that you, you would necessarily right. be grateful for, for his passing, but you, you, you could be grateful for the lesson that, and the yes. gift that he gave you from that. And, yes. and you know, I get that that's, that's not an easy thing to say to people. Uh, unless you've experienced it, you know, like you have, and then be able to look at that. And that's why I say it's really difficult to join the dots looking forward. It's much easier to look back and say, okay, now I see these things, Um, you know, and and without some of those things, I may not have had um, the the experiences and the the direction to end up where I was supposed to end up. Right. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've, um, there's a couple directions I want to go, but, but I'll pick one to start with, I guess. The a word that we've used here a few times is, is grateful and gratitude. And that's something that that's kind of I've, I've come to recently is, is when I find myself getting um, 
I guess, stressed out about something or, or really worked up that something is, is not going the way that I want it to, if I start to feel that building, you know, as much as I can, again, it's not like I'm some Zen monk or something, but <laughs> as much as I can, I try and pull myself back and, and think about the things that I have to be grateful for now. Now that doesn't, I'm not wise enough to be able to, as you're, as you're saying it, to connect the dots to the future of what, you know, is not happening for me that I'm upset about. But anyway, my point is just that I found that if I can focus on being grateful for things that are, that are good now, it helps me escape that mental loop of this building anxiety. Um, I guess, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? If you had, a, do you, do you practice anything like that or, or how does gratitude work in that way? Yeah, for sure. I, I, you know, for me, this whole idea, um, and again, you know, you're talking about, you know, I'm, I'm not a monk. I, you know, some of the principles that, I, that I've kind of learned and developed and live my life by now, um, it, I say to all my clients, it, that, that doesn't mean that I'm still not affected by some of the other things. I'm not perfect. Uh, right. You know, I, I still live in human form. You know, yeah. <laughs> right. So um, I'm still affected and impacted by some of those things. The difference for me is that um, they maybe don't affect me for as long as they may have affected right. other people because I start, you know, some of the principles that I've learned and I start to then think about, like you just said, well, okay, you know, maybe that didn't go as, I, as I'd hoped and maybe I am a little bit frustrated about the situation, but, you know, could it be worse? You know, are, are there things that I, that I, that I have right now that, that, you know, pale into insignificance when we look at some of those things? And then it just gives you a bit of perspective. Um, and I think that's sometimes all we need. Um, you know, coaching for me sometimes is 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 just giving people that that different perspective. Sometimes all they need is, you know, I have this saying that you know, when you're in the picture, it's really difficult to see the frame. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. all you need is someone else to help you say, you know, let's just widen the gears a little bit. What about this bit around here? Right. And just having that different viewpoint allows people to to maybe reflect and see things a little bit differently. You know, there's a great saying that I use a lot, which is that. When we change the way we look at things, what we look at changes. Mm, that is good. Yeah, I like that. And, and you know, I, I've tried to use that. Um, something that, that I use myself on an almost daily basis is that every time something happens, how can I look at this a little bit differently? And, mm. and if I look at it differently, does it change the way I look at it? Yeah, I I love that language. Um, so th that was kind of the, the way I boiled down, you know, kind of the lesson that I learned from my my father that, I, again, I've talked about many times, um, is perception dictates reality, right? And wh whatever, like, there, there are truths, and, and then there is reality, and then they're not necessarily the same thing. And, and I can the way that I choose to perceive things, which choose to perceive is key, I think, um, shifts the way I experience that reality, even if the objective truth is not changed. Sure. Case in point with my father passing, he's gone still, but I was able to see it in a different way so that it wasn't just a tragedy forever, right? 100%. And, and you know, that, 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 if you like, that core principle that, that you just talked about there, that, that's, that's it to the core of all of my coaching. Mm. Because ultimately, you know, this idea is that every time we develop... Um, you know, so procrastination as an example, it's misunderstood by lots of people. Some of these behavior patterns, you know, procrastination, perfectionism, um, fear of failure, they're essentially just patterns of behavior, things that we repeatedly do over and over again. 
Yeah. And a pattern of behavior is simply something that, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's this pattern which is built on a set of individual blocks. So the analogy that I use, um, I did a keynote about this recently called the Jenga concept. So mm. you know, the game Jenga, yeah. if we assume that's a, a pattern of behavior, whether that's fear of failure, whether that's procrastination or whatever it is, that's built on a series of blocks, a set of wooden blocks in that case. In our analogy, that means that the behavior pattern is, is set, is built on a specific set of mental blocks. Right. And in exactly the same way as in Jenga, when you push out a block, you take a piece of that pattern away. Now, the issue is that the, the pattern becomes unstable, the tower becomes unstable, but it doesn't necessarily fall down. Right. Which is why pre people try some of the short-term strategies to overcome some of these patterns of behavior and then default back to them again. So even... Part of my journey, you know, when I was really struggling with things like perfectionism, uh, as a good as an example, when I was really struggling with that, I would, you know, I was reading everything I could on that particular subject. I was trying to find a way to to be able to make progress without always having to do everything absolutely perfect and make sure that I was the only one doing it. I couldn't let go of anything. I couldn't outsource something because they couldn't do it as well as I could do it. Or, you know, right. and it was really it was really holding me back. And you know, when I look at that particular, um, those instances, all I would do is I would do some work. I'd find a coach. I'd attend an event. I'd read a book. I'd watch something on YouTube. Or, and I'd, I'd hear something and think, ah, yeah, that, that, I'm going to use that strategy. That, that would work. And I started implementing it, and I'd have some progress. But it might last for, I don't know, sometimes two or three days, sometimes two or three weeks, sometimes two or three months. But always, always, you, you, I snapped back to that pattern again, somewhere mm -hmm. down the line. And what I realized was, that's why I love this, this example, is that I was, you know, those strategies, thought that work I was doing was still pushing out some of those blocks. And the tower might become unstable, but it never collapses. And as long mm -hmm. as it stands, the pattern of behavior stands, and I will continue to return to it at some point whenever it's triggered. Yeah. The other thing I learned, though, is that inside that tower, there's about six or seven of those blocks. And if you push those blocks out, that whole tower falls down. Ah. And what I realized was, okay, so all I need to do is two things. I need to figure out what are the specific wooden blocks that support the pattern of behavior that I have, and which are the six or seven that would instantly make it collapse if I could push those out. Yeah. And that's what I spent my time kind of studying, researching, and learning that's what I do with my clients. That's why we look for, you know, shortest term um, uh, support, big, biggest impact results. Right. We're looking to identify what those are. Let's get rid of those. And essentially, in order to get rid of them, people think it's a really complex process, but it's not. Because essentially, all we're doing is changing the way that we look at something that we interpreted one way previously that wasn't really the truth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's... Uh... Uh, yeah, I, I, um, I love the, I love the tower analogy and I love, <laughs> I, I like a lot about that. I like that. I, so I, I guess first I'll say with regard to the tower, tower analogy, I like the idea of that there's all of these blocks and you can push a lot of them out and it's to some extent irrelevant in the long run, at least. And that there's a few key ones 
it, it resonates with me. I read a book, um, I don't know, sometime in the last year. It's called The One Thing. And in it, it talks about how it, it's a book about setting prior, a priority. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but it, it talks about how people think that the path to success is this huge picture focus. Like you've got to, if you're going to be successful, it's because you know how to address every block in the Jenga tower to, to maintain this analogy. And really it's like, it, it's no, it, like successful people hyper-focus as narrow as they can. Like the more narrow you can get in your attention, the more progress you can make. Right. Yeah. Um, and that just sounds exactly like what you're <laughs> talking about as well. For sure. Absolutely. And that's what I say to people. So when people say, well, you know, but there's all of these things and I say, yeah, but we're not going to worry about all of those things. We're going to identify the five, six, seven or eight things that affect you. That's all we're going to work on. I'm not interested in anything else. My job is to collapse the tower as fast as we possibly can. Yeah. Uh, so that you get into action and start getting results that, you, that you've been putting off doing, if it's procrastination or, um, you know, if you've got a, a fear of public speaking, for example, then, you know, very quickly we can identify some of the key things. We can start working on those. We can have you speaking, you know, within hours. Yeah. Well, and so the other thing that I love about about the, the concept at large is 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 you identifying it as patterns of behavior. Because so I started probably a year and a half ago now on this kind of journey of personal development. And, and I've, I've been working with a coach for over a year now and really, you know, again, the long way to go, but have come a very long way as well. And when I started a thing that I had in my head was that like, I, I'm not disciplined or I'm not consistent or I'm a procrastinator. And I thought that these were like character flaws, right? Because it's not like I've never tried to, uh, overcome them before. And then I, I can't or couldn't or whatever. And so then it's like, well, I guess I was just born messed up, you know, and, and I don't know what to do. And then I read this book called the power of habit and it completely changed my understanding of that because it explains how all of, I mean, so much of our existence is habits, not only in the kinds of behaviors that we're talking about, but brushing your teeth. You don't really have to think about the motion you make with your arm, you know what I mean? It's just an ingrained habit. Um, and I, anyway, I don't mean to go on and on. I just think it's really powerful for people to hear that these things are not that you are a broken person. <laughs> it's just a pattern that can be fixed. <laughs> sure, 100%. You know, the biggest thing I say is that, you know, whenever I, when I you know, I, the number of times I hear my clients say, say these words, and it's the first thing I stop them saying. So I'll have people come and I'll say, um, you know, Tell me a little bit about, you know, whatever the biggest issue is that you're having right now. If we're doing the discovery call and they'll say, well, my biggest issue is, is you know, procrastination as an example. And I'll say, okay, so tell me a little bit more about that. And they say, well, I don't know, I'm, I'm just a procrastinator. And I'm like, okay, so the first problem we have is you now believe that that's your identity. So you're, you're, yeah. all, you're already identified as that person. That's not true. You are not right. a procrastinator. You, you may procrastinate. <laughs> But that's that's not your identity. That's not who you are. And we need to stop you doing that to start with because that's what happens to us all the time is we start to, you know, take on this identity and then we'll never, ever be able to break it. Right, right. Because that's, you know, we, we decided that's who we are. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think that's so, so, so important to hear. And, and again, personally, just because that was for me, the very the the most significant initial breakthrough that I had was was coming to understand that um, 
Because like I said, yeah, before I just I thought that that something was was just wrong. And then when I came to understand it's a pattern, then I was able to, to understand that, like, well, I can do anything right. Like I can change anything. Anything is possible, which sounds it sounds uh, like a cliche or it sounds cheesy, you know, to some people to hear that, I think. But it really is true because it really is just like, well, what habits are you going to build? What patterns are you going to build? And then that will produce an outcome. And it's kind of independent of your character or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And that, you know, it, it, you're right. It's massively important. And, and it, you know, it, was, it was my biggest breakthroughs were when I started to understand some of this stuff. So, you know, when I understood that I, that wasn't my identity. So that's not who I am. That may be the things that I do. And if yeah. it's just things that I do, then I might be able to change the things that I do. So starting with it's possible. That, that's, that was my first big breakthrough. Okay, maybe this is possible. Yeah. That was my, then as I started to do some more work, I started to realize, well, hang on a minute, it's not just possible, it's probable. It's, yeah. it's probably, I, I could probably do this. Yeah. And then when you've done it, it's like, hang on a minute, th this works. This, right. is, this is exactly the way it should be. I shouldn't need to feel like that. And I can right. go on and do these things. And, and it, you know, the, the, you talk about, we, I talk, you talk about habits and I talk about this idea that, um, you know, we, we have a, a kind of addictive nature towards it in that, um, we, you know, I'm the same. So w when you get on this kind of um, uh, personal development journey and we start to make changes and things happen for us and we get results, you become addicted to that. Okay, what else? What next? What can I do now? What else could be possible? Where can we go next? Yeah. Um, and for me, that's where, you know, I want my clients to get to the stage where they're hungry for, I I'm out there to try everything. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and I, I also, you know, it it's also... It's, it's so interesting to me when I think back through my life because a lot of the things that I think now or, or have learned, you know, it's not like I sat and just <laughs> came up with these things. Someone else taught them to me always, but um, it's not the first time I heard it. Like when I was in school, like as a, as a child going through grade school, I remember seeing signs on the wall that were like, you can't choose your what happens to you in your day, but you can choose your attitude, which is kind of another way of of saying what we're talking about and that didn't resonate with me at all and and the reason i bring this up is that i also think it's important to talk about this so often and with as many people as i can and with as many different spins or angles on it as i can because it's so it's so important and it's so powerful and and it, so much of it gets written off as a cliche a lot of times and i think having these different ways of saying it and these different ways of looking at it and these these nuances helps because it, it did for me right like that was a, a difference maker for me too was hearing different language to describe some of these more core principles yeah for sure i have a say you know i say this a lot that you know the number of times i've read a book um uh and and you know maybe not got anything from it put it back on the shelf read it again some other time read it again still never seen anything then read it sometimes and thought wow that's that's profound and i'm like why well, how did i never see that before and i say to people that it's not that it wasn't in the book it's there every time i read it the difference is i don't see something that wasn't in the book before i see something of myself so at that particular point in time with experience or things that have happened to me or lessons or like you said i've heard it from somewhere else just at that point in time i see something that that you know resonated that didn't resonate before 
Right. Well, and it, it, it's exactly your, I'm going to mess up the phrase now. You had a very, a very nice way of saying it, but it, the, the change, what you're looking for and what you're looking for changes, or maybe I got that backwards, but <laughs> uh, it's that yeah. idea. Well, it should. That's exactly, yeah, absolutely. It is, yeah. You know, that when, yeah. we, when we look at things differently, we, we see it differently. It changes. So you didn't start out, you know, you didn't go to college, like you said, it's not like you went to college to be a coach and then started the business and here we are all these years later. Um, so if you don't mind, maybe kind of walk us through how you found yourself in this this line of work. Yeah, sure. So, my, you know, I started my I started my career in, in engineering um, and then quickly, I had a fairly successful corporate career. I, I progressed fairly quickly and then I moved from um technical side of the business into commercial so into sales and marketing um, really enjoyed that and, and had a very good career in that you know became national sales manager um, uh, by the time I was in my mid-30s for, for a, a major corporation in the UK and then I moved to another corporation in a similar role and from the outside I had you know what most people would class as a you know a good job a successful corporate career company car expense account managed a team of people got to travel um, you know, but I, I just, I never, I never felt like, um, I always felt like I was going to get found out. People talk about this idea of imposter syndrome. Yeah. And that's kind of how I felt. I always felt like I shouldn't really be here. There's something missing and I don't know what it is, but, but I just don't feel, I feel like someone's going to find me out along the way and, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll not be proved as good. I don't, I'm not as good as I think I am was kind of the thing in my head. Yeah. And, and in order to prove that to be true, I decided that I was going to leave the corporate world. Um, cause I, I felt that, okay, one way to prove this would be not just to do it for somebody else, but if I did it for myself, if I built my own business, um, then I would prove that to be the case that, that I was good enough. And, um, uh, you know, I, I'm not this imposter. So I, I left the corporate world in the early two thousands and, my wife and I set up a, a property development and investment business or a real estate business um, here in the UK. And, and, you know, we had a good run for five, six years, um, turned that into a multi six figure business. Um, you know, things were, were going really well. We were, we were looking towards, you know, seven figures and beyond and, you know, what would, what, what our life would look like and what the business might look like by then. And, and, you know, where would we expand to and all of those kind of discussions um, and then 2008 came along, and uh, we were exposed to the, you know, the biggest financial crisis that our generation had seen at the time, and um, it, it literally wiped our business out. Right. You know, we 
we went from multi-six-year business to you know losing money left, right, and centre. Um, we lost a few investments the following year in two thousand and nine as well, on the back of the financial crisis. Um, and you know we that that period of time it did two things. First of all, you know financially it, it added a lot of stress to us um, uh, in terms of you know what we were going through as a family. But it also kind of raised its its head around some of those doubts that I'd had about myself. Mm. So you know, there's nothing there's nothing like uh, you know being taken down a peg or two um, to kind of really impact your self confidence and mm. and increase those some of those levels of doubt again. And so I'd already started down that journey again of thinking, well, maybe maybe that's maybe it was destined to happen because maybe I wasn't as good as I thought I was. And, you know, the reason we're in this situation is because I'm not good enough. So some of those kind of um, uh, ideas started to come out. And then I'd said um, to my wife, okay, look, I think we need to make a decision about what we're going to do. Let's try and steady the ship and we'll try and see this out. Um, so I made a decision. I said, I'll go back into the corporate world. I'll get a job. I'd probably not be able to go back to the level I was before, but I can get a job. I'm good at what I did. Let's go back and get a job in the corporate world, and that'll kind of steady the ship and see us through. And that was our plan. Um, so I started to, to make some inquiries about you know opportunities, and then in March of 2010, um, just before I kind of got to a position where we secured something, uh, my wife and I were involved in a, a road traffic accident, and a fairly serious one that that almost killed us both. Wow. Um, uh, and in fact, you know, almost well, not almost, but to the point that. You know, the first responders on the scene uh, to this day say, I have no idea how you managed to, to survive. Um, wow. There, there's, 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 wow. No, there's no real way why, you know, how you should have got out. Um, and, um, you know, we went back to see some of them after the accident, you know, to express our gratitude and our thanks for, for everything they did. And, and, you know, one of the first guys on the scene, um, it always stuck with me. He, he was really upset when we went back and he said, apologized and said he was so sorry because he said when he arrived at the scene uh, he was kind of sent and said you know go and have a look tell them what equipment we need let's see what we need and he he arrived on the scene and went back to report and said um that the gold vehicle which was our vehicle he was like we, we don't need to bother about that they, they're not getting out they didn't survive um so he didn't think that we we'd actually made it at that point um so it took us about i don't know maybe six seven months to recover physically, um, just in terms of you know injuries and um, uh, at, at, at a kind of serious enough level, um, and then it was just minor stuff from there on, you know, years of physio and things like that. But I think the biggest impact for me personally was that that was just another kind of um, weight, if you like, on the scale of doubt um, and, yeah. and you know. And, I, and over that period, over that period of 2010, I got myself to a position, I, you know, I ended up where we made to make some really tough choices. We were in danger of losing our home and one or two other things. And that, you know, I, I declared, I ended up personally bankrupt in 2010. And that kind of, it took me to a point where all of those doubts, all of that, um, those confidence issues, all of those things about, you know, maybe I'm not good enough you know, weighed really heavily. Yeah. Um, and, and I was getting, I was, I talk about this, you're going down this downward spiral. Yeah. Um, I was finding it harder and harder to kind of 
see anything other than you know what was right in front of me all the all the problems all the issues um that, that we were facing and and by the end of that year i got myself to a point where i was i was you know i was depressed i couldn't really talk to anybody about it i didn't reach out struggled to talk to my wife about it struggled to talk to anybody about it and i made a decision at the end of that year it was about two weeks before christmas um of, of december 2010 and i said to my wife that um i needed to get fresh air i got up on the morning and said i was going out for a walk uh, i needed to clear my head um and kind of just think a little bit and i'd gone out and i i don't really know why that particular day but um it just kind of got to that point i think i walked to some woodland near where we live and um my express intention was i had no intention of going home that day um okay. i i i went there to contemplate you know ending my life I didn't feel like um i could contribute anything i felt um i felt my family would be better off without me that it was my fault we were in this situation and i felt the world would be a better place without me um at the time <clears throat> and i remember going to the woodland and sitting there in a small clearing not far from where we live and i i kind of it was really difficult to explain at the time but looking again we talk about this idea of being able to look back uh, yeah. you know enjoying the dots but looking back i don't know how long it was whether this was just a few seconds or whether this was a few minutes or longer but had, when i actually made a decision and said right okay this is what i'm going to do um i'm going to take my own life simply because I, I, the world will be better off without me and i won't have to feel any of this pain anymore when i made that specific decision it was just like all of my problems went away i felt a real kind of calm peace that i hadn't felt before in fact i had felt it before it was the only other time I was in the car accident um mm. there was a space in that time when i felt exactly the same didn't feel any pain didn't feel anything and all i can think is there was enough time in that whatever however long that was i don't know how long it was but there was enough time for me to just ask myself some questions mm. and one the biggest question that kept coming back to me was i could have died 9 months ago in fact everybody says there's no way we should have survived and i did why is that right why why if i had to go through all of this stuff why why didn't it end then you know it, that could have happened it was an accident it could have end all ended then and it didn't why am i still suffering if you like why am i still having to go through this and i didn't know the answer i couldn't possibly know the answer mm. but there was enough of a question enough of a doubt to say maybe there's a reason yeah who knows what it is but maybe there is one right and that was enough to you know in 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 uh there's probably better words to describe it but that was enough to bring me back that was enough mm -hmm. to kind of get me to ask some questions and i i came home and and i started a journey from there on in i i talk about this this particular day i took a book from my bookshelf um looking for some level of inspiration i think um and it was a book that my son bought me in um in 2008 <clears throat> so the last family holiday we went on before the financial crisis uh, right really happened um we we were on a family holiday to australia um and on the way back uh, at the airport my son bought me a book um to read on the flight uh and it wasn't a book that i'd uh, it was a book that i'd read before so i had all the copies of it um 
So he must have seen it on my bookshelf and, and thought it was something that I would enjoy reading. So he bought me another version of it. And um, I read it that day. So I'd read it on the plane. And, and like we said, I never really found anything in it. But that day when I came back from the woods, I picked the same book up and I read it and I couldn't put it down. Mm. And, and I saw so many things in there. Not that just literally transformed my life overnight, but I saw so many things in there that, that added to those questions that I had about, well, what, you know, why is that? Why am I suffering like this? Why have I felt this way? Should I, should, you know, I didn't feel like this before. Why do I feel like this now? And all of those questions, you know, led me to say, well, I need to find some answers to this. Mm. Um, and it was for no other reason. It was just, a, it was a selfish decision to find out for myself. Um, and, and not, you know, I, like I said, it, it wasn't an intention that I'll find this out and share it with the world. It was, right. I, I'm trying to fix myself. Um, and, um, you know, that, that book started my journey, if you like. And then I spent, you know, virtually, so we're now what, 10, nearly 11 years later. Um, and I spent that whole 10 years, if you like, um, doing as much as I could to understand, you know, how the mind works, the ideas of human potential, some of the principles of, of why we do the things we do. And more importantly, why we don't do some of the things we know we should do. Mm. Um, and, and, and distilling down some of the lessons into things that I could uh, use myself. And my journey into kind of speaking and coaching, this is why I talk about this idea that I think a purpose finds you is that um, I, as I started to make some changes, the people around me started to see, you know, the results of those, those, that work, the result of that impact, the impact of that work, sorry, to, to the changes that I was making. Um, and, and it wasn't necessarily huge financial gains or massive success, just they could see the difference in me. And people started to ask me, what have you done? Um, and I, you know, I openly shared some of those things and people just said, Oh, you know, that sounds amazing. Would you do me a favor? I've got, you know, a company, I've got a school, I've got some friends, I've got a networking event, whatever it was, would you come and tell some people, you know, about what you've gone through and, and, and you know, maybe um, whether that your story could help them? Uh, and I openly did. I, I just went along and shared what I did. And and that led to people coming up to me afterwards saying what you said really resonated. Um, could we sit down and have a coffee? Um, and then from there, it just kind of snowballed. People would say, you know, did some of the things that you you did, could you share them with me? Do you think they might help me? And as I started to do that, people started to have, you know, have some of the results that I'd had. Um, were saying, oh, this is amazing. I feel fantastic. Thank you so much. And what I realized above everything else, and even then it wasn't a case of, okay, there's a business here. What I realized was this, this is above everything else. Even if I didn't get paid for it, I could do this every day. Every day for the rest of my life, I could do this and and not, you know, get up every day and feel fulfilled and and be excited about the day ahead um, without thinking about anything else. And and that's when I say your purpose finds you because I was like, this is what I need to be doing. I should have been doing this all along. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, thank you for for sharing um, that obviously very incredibly personal story. There's so many different things I, I want to ask you. So I'll, I'll, again, just pick different threads and we'll see where it goes. Um, I, so actually a, a question that immediately jumped out to me, which this is so unrelated to the point of what you just described. So forgive me, but the financial crisis specifically in 2008 in the UK, 
was was that my understanding of that is that it was the American financial system that with the the corruption for lack of a better term that was really the thing that pushed all the dominoes over is, is were there also dominoes were there was there also that going on in the UK or was were you really the victim of America I guess for lack of a better term yeah I think I think the impact was was worldwide I think that you know the 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 things that went on affected you know organizations all across the world there were UK institutions who were involved in some of the um uh some of the transactions that were happening in the US they were linked to some of that stuff but also I think it just you know we 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 were involved in terms of property and and uh and real estate we were involved in both development and investment so you know we had outstanding finance from um you know banks and you know private lending organizations that there were and and some of those two two things first of all there's there's um the issues so you had um you know some of the the major banks so you know in in the uk um there were there were banks which were bailed out by the government because they were in danger of going under yeah um and so they made decisions out, okay, we, we need to, you know, we need to retract. In other words, whatever we've got out there, we need to bring it back in terms of the loan. So they, they were just, you know, they were literally knocking on people's doors and saying, you know, whatever outstanding loan you have right now, we need it back by five o'clock today. And nice. it's like that, you know, we don't we don't live in a world, we don't operate in a business where that's that's financially viable or possible. And then we're right. like, well, we'll just take the asset. And say, like, yeah, but the asset isn't finished and therefore it doesn't have the value of the outstanding amount. And then you, the other a- aspect of that is you, you then just had a ripple effect where the rest of the marketplace just they became risk averse. They were just like, well, we're not getting involved in anything. We'll right. just, we'll just stay tight and see what happens. So, you know, you, your line of credit that you had where you could say, okay, well, we'll do this, that, that just all dried up. Yeah. And so you were scrambling, you know, like I said, it was, on some days it was like, well, particularly the, the first day, it was like somebody turned the lights off at, at you know five pm in the office and shut the door, and then you couldn't. There was not no power left when you turned it on the next day. Yeah. It's just like a completely different world. Um, everything you were doing didn't work anymore. It didn't function the same way. So, yeah, you know, it was it was. I think it was the the ripple effect of everything that went on from a worldwide basis. Yeah. Again, I, I thank you for going on that tangent with me. I. I one of my all-time favorite movies is The Big Short. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that, but it's about the the financial crisis here mm-hmm. in the U.S. and um, yeah. and I I I was I was young enough and and worked at a just a regular job and lived in an apartment and didn't own anything when it happened. That for me personally, gas prices went down, and that was kind of really the only <laughs> personal impact that I saw from it. So um, I've I've been really fascinated though to learn about it, and and yeah. So thank you for explaining it from. A perspective of someone you know not based in the U.S. because that's really really interesting. So to go back to the the real point of you sharing that story though, so uh, one thing I wanted to, to I guess ask about you know you talked about how it was kind of a downward spiral, and I think that's a, a common thing that people kind of find themselves in where it's not necessarily a straight line down, but it's like things just start to, to snowball and it, it you know kind of again spirals. And I think that that's kind of yeah. a common understanding of how things can go wrong. But what I've also found is when improving myself and making things go right, it's also not a straight line up. It's also a spiral back up. Has that been your experience as well? We absolutely, 100%. Yeah. And one of the things that, that a huge lesson for me 
again, I didn't see it at the time, but I, I look back now. And so if you took that period between 2008 and 2010, I talk about my downward spiral. And, you know, we, 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 we see things. And when we have a focus on a particular situation or a particular, um, uh, uh, when we're looking for something specific, we see more of those things. Um, the best way to describe it for me is before I got involved in in, in property, um, you know, I saw property everywhere, as everybody does, but I never saw opportunities in property. But when I started to really get into the industry and it became our focus, we would see opportunities everywhere. You know, we, we'd drive past things and think, well, I never saw that before. There's a, you know, there's a piece of land there or there's a, there's a property that I didn't see before down that, that lane there that probably could be redeveloped or we could turn that house into, you know, whatever it was. We could add an extension and do it. So, you, you know, when you focus on something, you start to see more and more of those things. We have this thing, you know, called the reticular, the reticular activating system, our RAS, and it kind of, it acts like a, uh, for want of a better phrase, it acts kind of, acts a bit like a, a personal assistant. You know, mm. when you tell it it's important, it only shows you those things, and it filters other stuff out. It says, "Oh, that's not important. I won't. I won't show you that." Um, and that's kind of how it works. And so, when we end up in this downward spiral, it's because of that. It's because we start to filter out some of that other stuff because all we're seeing are, are obstacles. And one of the lessons that I learned is that when I look back in that same gap, when all I could see were, were difficulties and obstacles and challenges between two thousand eight and two thousand and ten. There were companies that launched their business in that same period and are now billion dollar brands. Right. You know, Uber, people like that, they were launched in that period. Mm. And it got me thinking, what, what did they see that I couldn't see? How were they on an upward spiral when I was on a downward spiral? How 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 is that possible? Right. And for me, I, I liken it to this idea. I'm I'm a, you know, I try and keep things um I try and use analogies so people can see what, what we mean when, we, when we're talking about things. So I have this analogy for that same time frame. So 2008 to 2010. If you imagine um, an Olympic hurdler, so 110-meter hurdle, Olympic final, all of the um, uh, uh, finalists crouch down at the start line and they look up before the gun goes off. And every one of them can see hurdles in front of them. In every lane, that's all you can see. Right. But the question they ask themselves is, are those hurdles in the way or are they on the way to where they need to be? And it was a huge lesson for me because all I saw in 2008 and 10 were hurdles and they were in the way. Right. I couldn't see beyond where they were. All I saw was another hurdle and another hurdle and another hurdle. I couldn't, I couldn't see anything beyond that. Whereas I'm convinced that the, the only difference between me in those times and, you know, the people who launch Uber or Airbnb or any of those brands that launched in that time, the only difference for me was their perspective. They saw the same hurdles. They saw the same difficulties in the, in the, in the world as I did, but they were on the way. They could see beyond that. They could say, actually, I think we can, we can get beyond them and end up here. Yeah, and we're prepared to to go through those hurdles and end up where we need to be. Yeah, I I have a an analogy I'd like to share with you that I 
I think is similar. Um, I, I'm curious to see what you think of it and please be, be candid. <laughs> um, I, I shared it a long time ago when I very first started my podcast and I, I talked about the idea of perception dictates reality and, and shared this analogy. And so what I described is like, if you imagine a frog and then there's uh, a pond and lily pads, right? So if you have a destination in mind and you, you jump out on the lily pad, the lily pads are in whatever random pattern in the pond, but you know which one to go to next because you know where you're trying to go. But they might not be a straight line, right? Like you might hop from pad to pad, but if you have the goal in view the whole time, now it's almost like that's the path. But with no goal, with no intentionality, now it's just a sea of lily pads and all of them seem random, right? And, and you just jump to another one, but you don't know where to go next, so it feels just like the one before really right or, or just as scary at least yeah yeah 100 percent. it's a great analogy because you know at the end of the day it's a great saying which says that you know if you don't have a destination any road will get you there <laughs> that's great <laughs> so I it, love that. it's, it's no matter which one you take you can go anywhere if you want but it's not going to get you so you, you you're right you, you know it's having this 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 vision in mind of where i'd like to be this is what i'm looking for this is my end point and your end point, the thing is, you know, so people say, yeah, but I don't, you know, who knows how far I can go and I don't really know what I want ultimately. It's not about that. Because ultimately, you know, if you look at the, if you look into the distance, wherever you are, whether it's on a road, whether it's on a boat, whether it, whatever it is, when you look into the distance, you can only see so far. Right. But whenever you get to there, you can see further. Right. And, and that's what it's about. You know, you set the goal in terms of this is as far as I can see right now. And when yeah. I get there, I'll be able to see further. So I don't need—I don't need to know every single step of the way. I just—I need to know roughly where I want to be, what, what I'm looking for. And then, as I get closer to it, I'll see a little bit more. I'll—I'll I'll see. Oh, actually, I didn't see that side road down there. I can go that way. Yeah, that's awesome. That's such a—that's such a brilliant way to describe that because I think that—and I'll say—I—I—I've I've worked so hard on not. When I talk about my own ideas, and this is common in, in language, I think, but it's so common for us as people, when we're talking about our own ideas to say we or they or you, and really it's me <laughs> that I'm, that I'm <laughs> describing. Um, yeah. so I, I try and, and build that ownership into the way I talk, but I, I struggle still. But for me, like I've experienced almost a sense of shame before because I can't see the biggest, the, the grand goal. You know, you, you, you talk to someone and they're like, oh, I want to be the a billionaire and I want to own this company. And it's like, I don't have that goal. And then there's like this sense of shame that I can't identify it. But when you describe it the way you just did, no one would feel shame for not being able to see beyond the horizon line from wherever they currently are, because it's just the, the limitation of being a human, I guess, you know, we're not telescopes. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, yeah, People talk about, you know, so people ask me, so have you got, you know, a huge vision? Have you got, and I've got things that I'd like to achieve. You know, I've got a vision board. I've got things I'd like to achieve. And who knows when they'll come to fruition. That could be 20 years time. Who knows? So there are things that I, that I have that, but I can't see my whole way there. Yeah. I can't actually see every step that I need to be for, for some of those. Some of them, I might get half the way there and then go, oh, just a minute. I see another step. I didn't see that before, yeah. but that's because I'm way back here.
another thing I wanted to, to kind of touch on, and I think it actually ties into this kind of goal setting thing that we're, we're, we're discussing now too. And I don't mean to, to mislabel or, 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 or describe your own experience to you. So please forgive me for that up front. But when you were talking about being uh, out in the, in the woods and, and contemplating um, ending your own life, you said that there was this kind of calm, but then what you described after that was that it gave you this space to ask questions. And it's probably said by other people, but I know uh, Tony Robbins um, has has said, if you're getting bad answers, it's because you need to ask better questions. And so I, I and and then and then when you were talking even further after after that moment when you're talking further about like the Uber stuff and, and thinking about well how did they see an upward spiral and opportunity and I only saw downward spiral and hurdles I, I guess I, I guess my question <laughs> is um, what do you think the value of questions is do you, and what do you think that value of the curiosity is because it seems like that's almost kind of what drives all of this ultimately is this curiosity and feeding that curiosity is what pulls you out of this fear. Yeah. I think that, you know, inherently we, we can from whenever we start to kind of get a sense of who we are, we're inherently searching for something. Mm. All of us do it. I believe every human on the planet is out there searching for something. Uh, often we, 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 we mislabel it. We misunderstand what it is. So we, 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 you know, we're searching for peace. We're searching for happiness. We're searching for success. We're, we're looking for something. And and I think it's that it's that kind of curiosity, that search that drives us. That's where those questions come from. I think. Um, yeah. I think it's just you know it's inbuilt in us because we we kind of continually searching for whatever it is. And I think that you know when you go full circle, and, and you know I. I look talk about my journey in this end of the, the 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 scale now, but you know if I'd gone full circle, I now realize that some of the things I was looking for um were already there um there's a great quote by Rumi, I think it is where he, he kind of talks about um it's a story about somebody who um uh who goes on a journey looking for a um a a, a, a jeweled necklace um uh, which has mystical powers and they travel the world looking for it only to realize they were wearing it all of the time. <laughs> the way I interpret it was effectively we, we spend all our life searching for something when actually the answer to what we're looking for is, is, is within it's already mm-hmm. here. You know, we're looking for it out there. We're waiting for success. We, and I, I talk about what I call when then mentality. You know, I had that for most of my life. When this happens, then I'll be happy. When, when I have this, then I'll feel successful. When I've achieved this, this whole idea of when then. And I suddenly realized later in life that actually none of that was really that important. You know, I talk about this idea that happiness is not something we get. It's something we are. It, yeah. it, it, you know, it's not, you don't need something else, you know. And that's what I mean about this idea that you, you spend all our life looking for something that's already there. Yeah, I was having a conversation with a friend one time, and um, we were talking about personal development things, and uh, he was skeptical that that they would could have the the effect that I was explaining I had been finding that they could have, and um, 
and he was his the analogy he used was he was like well let's say that that there's a, a river and you're on one side of it and on the other side of it is happiness well some people might use personal development to cross that river and some people but some people might need to use uh like medication or something to to, to cross that river right and and maybe the personal development behavioral stuff doesn't work for them and i said i think that the 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 difference though is that there's not a river to cross to get to happiness. Happiness is the river, right? Like you just get in the river and that is, <laughs> that is happiness. Like it's not to your exact point. It's not something that's obtained or achieved or reached. Uh, it's just something that either is or isn't always. Right. Yeah, sure. A hundred percent. You know, <laughs> I, I absolutely agree. And that that's, you know, that, that that's the same, my, my same, ethics are this whole idea is we don't need to get something so sometimes my clients will say oh i'm looking to achieve this and i don't stop anybody having goals and dreams i think they're they you know if you want to go after something you should go after it without a doubt but what i do say to them is you shouldn't be attaching something to that so it's great that you have these things but don't then say so when i have that that's you know i'll be successful then or i'll be happy then or because i can guarantee you won't be because <laughs> when you get there you'll be looking for something else yeah i mean this is a such a non uh thoughtful <laughs> example of this but you know i watch professional basketball here in the u.s the nba and uh there's a really famous player named kevin durant and um anyway he played in the league for a while and eventually won a championship and he was probably in the league for eight years or so before that happened though and and he's talked a lot about how he he thought that like once he won the championship that like he would feel validated vindicated in in his career and his place in the hierarchy of the basketball world which again I, it's professional basketball i get it but um but it's the same thing because he talked about that he won the championship and then it's like it's like he's still the same person like life is not now different he doesn't now he doesn't he still lives at the same house he still sees the same people like it's the same and it was just really shocking to him that it wasn't this life-changing thing and it and that ended up kind of changing his whole perspective that it hadn't mattered so i, I just thought i just think it's so interesting because you hear people talk about this idea in so many different walks of life yeah I, you know i've worked um uh, on, a, on a coach client basis i've coached some people who are um, on the on the face of it would look to be hugely successful and have everything that 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 they could ever want you know seven multi seven figure business the car the house holidays travel when they want you know you name it from the outside that would look like utopia to most people yet they don't feel fulfilled and and they, they can't understand why and it's right. because they set this goal at the beginning was to be i will have this this is what i want this is the life i want i want all of this but the there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that they set it on the basis that, and when I have all of that, then I'll be happy. Right. And it's like, are you happy? No. It's like, well, it doesn't feel like the way I thought it was going to feel. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know, but that, that's the truth of the matter. That's, that's what happens. Yeah. I don't mean to belabor this point, but I have to share this other example. There was, I think it was recent, even there was a, a the, like the valedictorian at, harvard or some prestigious ivy league school here in the u.s and, and he gave the the commencement speech and he said 
you know, I sacrificed so much of my college career and didn't go to events and didn't go do a lot of the social stuff because I wanted to, to be the valedictorian and give this speech. And, and then I did that and I got the grade and I got told I was going to be the valedictorian and here I am now giving the speech. And I don't know if it was really worth it or not because I missed out on so many other things. And now after I give the speech, I just go back to the life I already had. You know, that's just the same point we've been on, but I just, I just, I thought that was so fascinating for someone to that quickly be able to recognize that and, and, and admit it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it, and it's huge to be able to see that, you yeah. know, I they think look, the earlier people see it in their journey, you know, the, the bigger impact they'll have in their life. Well, I mean, you just use the word that descri- that's the cliche that describes what we're talking about, which is that it's about the journey, not the destination, right? It's, it's the, the path that we travel that is life, not, the, the stopping points that we arbitrarily select <laughs> throughout it. Absolutely. You know, I, one of the best descriptions when, when I talk with my clients and, and it's a, it's something that I use myself personally is that um, the best description I've ever found for, for what is success because success is different for everybody. I've interviewed lots of people um, in, in my journey, you know, other coaches, mentors, I've been to events, I've asked questions when you look at what is success for every, it's different for every single person. And I'm like, yeah, we've, yeah, we come up with this term, this arbitrary term and said, this is what success is, but it's different for everybody. But the best definition I ever came across um, is by um, a guy called Earl Nightingale, um, who um, wrote a number of books, including the stranger secret and, and then one or two others. Um, and his definition of success is that success is the progressive realization of a worthy goal or ideal. Mm. And the, the biggest impact that had on me was this idea that it's progressive realization. It's not the goal. It's the progressive realization. It's the steps you take in, towards that goal. So I, when, I, when people talk about success, I did a, uh, a keynote for a school um, here in the UK, and I just used that whole idea. Uh, as my keynote, which was about what is success to you. Uh, and I said to them, you know, I shared some of uh, some of the things that people on the outside would have said I was successful for. So I shared some of my travel photographs and some places I'd been and some of the people I'd met. And I said, you know, if, if you looked at that, would you say that that's successful? And, you know, most people raised their hands and said, yes, they did. And then I showed, you know, Ronaldo, you know, top footballer, soccer player. And I said, would you say that's successful? Yes. And then I showed, I pointed to their teachers at the side and said, would you say your teachers are successful? And there was a few hands and a few kind of not so sure. And I said, okay, so which one, if, if, if you said I was successful, but then you said Ronaldo was successful, and then some of you still think your teachers are successful, who's successful? What, how are you defining that then? And then this whole idea, you know, we ended up with this discussion. But my point was that the teachers are successful and the students are successful. So I then said to them, you know, would you class yourselves as successful? And they were like, well, no, not yet. And I'm like, well, what are you waiting for? What would you mean, no, not yet? And they were like, well, you know, I haven't achieved some of the things that I want. And I was like, but that's the problem. Yeah, right. success doesn't come to you when you achieve those things. So the fact that your teachers are here teaching because they made a specific decision that they wanted to teach means they are successful. They are progressively realizing their goal, whatever mm-hmm. it is. You, depending on what it is that you want to do with your life, are already progressively realizing it. You're already already on the way to wherever that is. 
therefore by definition you are successful right yeah that's awesome and, and it's just to get them to try and understand from that perspective you know you're already successful you yeah. can't have more success <laughs> that's a that's a yeah that's a really great that's a really great point um it, it, yeah it, 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 and then similar to like happiness or something like you're either it, it's kind of a binary thing you can't really be more or less happy you either experience joy or you don't but it's it's not really a scale <laughs> no for sure yeah and it's the same as success isn't it there is no yeah. scale that defines success right you know, I, I use an example sometimes when I'm talking, you know, is that just the way that you speak about things can give people um, a different perspective on success. So I said, um, you know, I want to share some of the successes of some of my clients. And I, you know, I gave them some examples. But one of them, I, I, I said, um, I worked with, with a business owner. He doubled his income in 16 weeks. From the day we started working together, 16 weeks later, he doubled his income. Wow. And I said to them, you know, the audience, would you say that's success? And they were like, well, absolutely. And I said, okay, if I said it, I took his income from 50 pounds to 100 pounds, is that success? And they were like, well, not really. I'm like, well, it either is or it isn't. <laughs> right. you, just, you just said it was two seconds ago. <clears throat> so, you know, it, it just... It, it goes back to my, you know, the point we made earlier on, doesn't it? That when we change the way we look at things, what we look at changes. Yeah, well, and it, you know, and it also points to something else that you've you've touched on and, and alluded to in, in these different things we're talking about, which is that the other reason that the, that the the idea of changing how we look at things, the other reason that it's so powerful is because it's actually the only thing we can change, because you can't change other people directly you can't change the the world as an individual i mean yeah we can come up with examples where people go to extreme links to try and do that but at the in the end of the day there's so much complexity to the world that you can't affect just sweeping change across it and so the power we have is to change the way that we look at things which then shifts the rest of possibility yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you mentioned earlier on about asking better questions. Mm. Um, I, I have I have a, a core principle that I live my life by now, which is that um, it, events, situations, people, however you want to describe them, so generically, they have no inherent meaning. Mm. There is no inherent meaning in anything that happens, any specific event, until mm. I give it meaning. And, and meaning only comes from my interpretation of that event. And I, I, you know, I give examples. So if you took, you know, if we took a very simple example, um, so let's take um, well, the one I use quite often, just because it's it's easy for people to to kind of get their head around. Is if we took the event rain. So when it rains, that's an event. If it if if we planned um, for you and I to have an amazing out outdoor event, um, we planned a trip somewhere, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It was all outdoor. It was you know, going to be phenomenal, and it was raining that day, would rain be good or bad? <laughs> bad. Uh, yeah, it'd be bad, for sure. Yet, you know, if we owned uh, if we owned a farm and it hadn't rained for months and we were in danger of losing our livelihood and it starts to rain, would rain be good or bad? Right. Rain would be good. Okay, but it's just rain. So how can it be good or bad or both? 
Well, the answer is it can't. It can't be either of them. All that changes is the way that we interpret that event, the meaning we give the event. Yeah. That, that's so, that's so, yeah, that's so significant. I'm going to do such a poor job of explaining this right now. And and everyone who's smarter than me, probably yourself included, uh, may jump to correct me and that's fine. But in, in quantum physics, there's this, and this is where I'm going to bumble it because I don't know the specifics, but in quantum physics, there's this like double slit experiment where if they shoot the protons through in one way, then it creates this pattern. And if they shoot it through in this other way, then it creates another pattern and and then and again this is where i don't remember the specifics but basically the, the point i'm trying to get to is that what they found is that the presence of the observer changes that outcome and that's n- not explainable really it doesn't make sense that that would happen but that's literally what you just described is that everything is that everything yeah is only affected now by the, the presence of the observer uh, i don't know that's just really really profound 100% yeah and it, it's it's one of the things that that's had the biggest impact on my life. So, people, you know, I said earlier on, I shared with you that people say, "Oh, so you know, you don't get annoyed now, or you don't get frustrated, or you don't get angry with these things." And I'm like, "No, I still do." Right. But the but the difference is that I very quickly have because because that's a core principle for me. I very quickly ask myself a question, and it goes back to that point about asking better questions. And the question oh. I ask myself always is, first of all, what do I know for sure? about this event and what does it mean and 99.9 times out of 100 the answer to that question is i don't know anything <laughs> i don't know anything other than the actual event right and what does it mean it doesn't mean anything it doesn't have yeah. a meaning unless i say it means this right and you know when i started to live my life by that everything changed yeah. Yeah, that's really, really powerful. Um, so, you know, we've talked a lot about kind of how, what your journey was into coaching and, and how your your thinking had shifted on in that path and, and into, into, and not just into coaching, but into your own personal psychological <laughs> health. Um, do you find though that your 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 thinking continues to shift even now as you've been coaching people for a while? Are things that maybe you thought when you started that you emphasized, or are they emphasized less now because you're emphasizing something more, or was it something where you kind of found a set of principles that were just always applicable? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. But I think there's two sides to that. I think that you know the principles that I that I I've kind of discovered and learned and kind of adapted. To, to 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 fit the way I think everything works uh, and has worked for me. Um, I continue to live my life by those, but I think that you know the day we the day we think we know everything is the day we're in real trouble. Yeah, <laughs> um, and so I continue to try. I continue to try and learn. Um, you know, I and it's all for me. It's all just about deepening the understanding of some of those things. So, for as an example, you know, I. I I wouldn't. I have to be careful about the language because people interpret things a certain way, as we know. Right. Um, so I wouldn't class myself as as religious, but I would class myself as spiritual. Mm. And for me, there's a there's a, there's a difference in there. Um, yeah. 
And so that's kind of been, I suppose, the next step of that is when we talk about, you know, things like happiness and, and, and I talked about this idea that events have no meaning and that, you know, the impact that those things have on me then reduces. The next step of that is to look at, well, who, you know, we used a word and you used a word and, and I used it as well, which was this idea that, you know, things change when we observe them differently, when we're the observer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there's a there's a whole section of kind of um, spirituality, if you like, where where they you know they talk about and investigate who is the observer, who is the witness to the things that happen, who are the wit who is the witness to the emotions that we feel, and, and and that kind of I suppose that is where I spend my time in terms of my personal growth mm-hmm. is looking at some of those questions and how that, that feels, but but I I just see. For me, I just see it as a deepening of an understanding of the same principles. Because right. I think you could probably go at ad infinitum, depending on how deep you want to to kind of learn and study and develop. Yeah, well, and I was curious just because my own experience, um, which is incredibly limited at this point, but is has been that that it seems like there are some 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 truths or principles um, that that aren't really um, negotiable, right? That just, for example, the fact that our pattern behaviors are not character flaws. It's just not negotiable. It's not a character flaw. It's just a pattern of behavior, right? Like there are things like that that are like, you can say it different ways and that's awesome to do because people need to hear it different ways. But at the end of the day, there's no getting around it. It's just just true. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And, and you, you're right. And that's what I would say. There's, there's some key principles that I think that if you get to understand them, um, yeah, you can deepen your understanding of them. But, but essentially, you, you're, you know, your words are great. They're non-negotiable. They're just, that's just the way it is. And when you understand that and learn it, you can apply it. Um, but then for me, it's just, you know, when you, when you take those elements and look at, you know, how can you deepen your knowledge or understanding of those things? Um, you start to investigate some other areas. Um, so for me, it's just about there are some key things. You get those right, you can make huge changes and have a huge impact in your life and yeah. the results of your life around you um, in a very short space of time um, yeah. in, in relative terms. And then, you know, however, how far you want to go in terms of your own growth and development is a, is a personal choice depending on what you want to, what you want to do and why you're interested. Yeah. Well, that's, this is, this has been an incredible, um, conversation, Dean. Um, I, I, I really can't thank you enough for, for coming on and sharing your thoughts and, and sharing your work. Um, if people want to, to connect with you and see if you would be a good fit for them to work with, um, is the website DeanAFox.com the best place for them to find you? Or is there somewhere other ways that you would like to, to share? Yeah, they can they can get me there, obviously, um, but they can also get me on. Um, I'm on most of the social media channels, but on Facebook and Instagram, I'm at Dean Fox Coaching. Um, they can find me there and drop me a message, um, and um, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to have a conversation about whether or not we can help. Um, and if and if I can, um, you know, am I am I a fit for them, and are they a fit for for me and and, and the work that we do? Okay, awesome. Well, I will make sure and have um, links in in the show notes. Uh, for that. Um, I, I, I will say uh, this, this conversation was just so encouraging and um, 
just like yourself, I'm still a human and, and still, you know, have many, many struggles. Um, but podcasting for me, I found is, is my, um, is my passion and it's my journey where I honestly don't really care about the destination because I just love it. And, and the reason I love it is, is because of conversations like this. Um, so I, I really, as, as much as I'm happy for the show personally, thank you very much for, for sharing all of this and, and having this conversation with me. It, it really is awesome. Thank you. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure, Walker. And, and like I said, you know, right at the beginning, you know, every time I get an opportunity to share a piece of my story or um, hopefully um, some insights that, that I've experienced that may come along at the right time for somebody else, you know, maybe maybe someone listening to the show um, hears something um, in what we say um, and it's the right time for them. Uh, yeah. you know, when I talked about the book that I read and I didn't see it before, maybe they hear something this time that they didn't hear before and it's the right time for them. And if we've had an impact, then, um, you know, it was it was worth every every moment we spent talking. It's been a pleasure, Walker. Thank you. Stop.
folks well that's all for the show today thank you so much again to dean fox for stopping by really really enjoyed that conversation also of course thank you to misha zarens for the music and last but not least thank you listener for listening to the episode i'd also like to encourage you to check out my other podcast pick up your sticks which is co-hosted by me and brett lindley pick up your sticks is a podcast about why gaming matters and you can find it on all podcast platforms again thanks so much for the listen have a great week stay up